This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Yes. Yeah. 
and it's good to have you back. I think you, uh, were you chaperoning? And, and was Rick, were you involved in that too? My question is, who were the chaperones for the chaperones? You know, with those, those two guys, <clears throat> uh, where'd you guys go? Chicago. And uh, Chicago will never be the same after they were there. But um, just, oh, oh also, Lynn, uh, Leonard and Vicki, welcome back. The snowbirds that went to Texas, and uh, they're back with us. Good to have you back. Uh, just a note regarding the service this evening. Uh, we are going to uh, have a really special service. I know a lot of people are gone, but uh, my brother-in-law, Paul Confer, is here. He's going to be playing the piano for the first segment, and then we're going to go into a time of intercession um, and, and we'll talk about that more later. But anyway, I just want to invite you to come back this evening. Looking, really looking forward to the service. I don't tell you this nearly enough. And, and don't get the big head, but um, I, I love worshiping with you on Sunday mornings. It's, it's my favorite day of the week. And, and yes, before somebody pops off and says, uh, you know, Sunday's my only day to work, I, I realize that. But I still look forward to, to Sundays, and uh, I, I love watching God work in your lives. Um, one of the many things I love about this church is the fact that we're blessed with people of all age groups. I, I, I love that. And for example, on the season side of the age spectrum, we have um, Glenn Tudor, who is here this morning in the early service, and then we have Lowell Menifee, and they're both, I believe, 94 years young and soon to be 95. And, and, and would you believe that Lowell chooses to attend our contemporary service? Isn't that cool? He's surrounded by young people, and he's rocking and rolling with everybody else, and, and he fits right in. And then moving to the other side of the age spectrum, we have a bunch of young millennials, 20s and 30s, which would be my age group. And... Uh, and many of them obviously attend the, <clears throat> the contemporary service, but, but some of them prefer attending the early service. Uh, and, and that's very, very cool as well. And then farther over on the young end of the spectrum, on a typical Sunday morning, we will have 60 to 80 kids in our kids' department. And, and one of my favorite activities of Sunday morning is greeting these kids, pumping them full of candy. And then just as the sugar reaches their bloodstream, I send them home with their parents. I love doing that. But anyway, I, I, I love worshiping with all of you. And, and, and I know what the church growth movement says. You know, find a specific and narrow target age group and focus on them. Well, well, our target group would be red and yellow, black and white, young and old, in between, good, bad, ugly, rednecks, geeks, hillbillies. All of those are our target group because every human being is precious in his sight. Thanks so much for allowing me to be part of your amazing and, yeah, sometimes a little bit strange and eclectic, but uh, it is a wonderful church family. And, you know, I think together we're just kind of inching towards heaven. And I love the journey with you. Oh, that's enough of that mushy stuff, but... 
Today we're going to kick off a new sermon series that I've really been praying about. And, and I'm excited for this series. I'm calling this series, God Is. And, and by the way, you can follow along and I would encourage you to take notes or uh, go to the, the app with the version and, and follow along there. The motivation for this series comes from a, 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 a very deep concern of mine. And that concern is how increasingly messed up our society is in our perception of God. You know, the Bible says that in the beginning, God created man in his own image. But today our society is trying to return the favor by creating God in our own image. And we fashioned and, and we've created a God that is vastly different than the true God of the Bible. And so with God's help over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what God is not in order to see what God is. Now, I don't have the entire series fleshed out, but let me give kind of a rough sketch of where God may be taking us, Lord willing, and it's all Lord willing. But I I, I want to talk about what has been referred to. I, I read one time about the God that's called the goosebump God. Um. In other words, the God of feelings. Some people believe that, that God is all about feelings. And so they come to church and if they, they feel something, they believe it was a good service and that God was there. But if they don't happen to feel anything, then, you know, sometimes we don't always feel something. We may not feel well, uh, may have a cold or whatever. But if they don't happen to feel anything for, for some particular reason, they think that God wasn't there. That's the goosebump God. And then we'll probably talk about a God that we'll refer to as the cold-hearted God. You know, the cold-hearted God that allows children to go hungry around the world. The cold-hearted God that allows shootings to take the lives of innocent people. The cold-hearted God that allows bad things to happen to good people. And, and that God really gets mentioned and criticized a lot here in America. And then we'll probably deal with the, the rules-only God. And, and this all this God does is just give us a bunch of boring and stuffy rules, you know, thou shalt nots, and he's a killjoy, never wants us to have any fun, the, the rules God. Now, obviously, all of these are false perceptions of God, but, but this is how many Americans view God. However, I pray that through these next few weeks that we will not just get a proper view of God, but that we will have an encounter with God. And come to know Him in truth. Well, that brings us back to our service this morning. For this first lesson in the series, I want to talk about a God that we will call the on-demand God. In other words, a God that is supposed to give us what we want when we want it. Now, to kind of uh, set the stage for our thoughts, let me, let me just say that as a society, we have become an on-demand society. We see it in, in a lot of ways. We, for example, we see it in our expectation of having hot water the instant we turn on the hot water faucet. And if the hot water heater happens to be at the other end of the house and we have to wait 20 seconds for the hot water to flow through the lines, then we become impatient and, and start talking about installing one of those on-demand units right underneath the sink to where we can have instant hot water and not have to wait the eternity of 20 seconds. Technology now even provides on-demand movies. And this is pretty cool. Uh, Because the old classic movies that were around in my day have pretty much disappeared. But but now you can get them on-demand if you have a smart TV or a Roku stick. 
And some of you are saying, what in the world is that? But anyway, you can even binge watch those movies all night long. Movies such as, and, and by the way, if you're of the generation that loves Snapchat or Instagram, you probably will not have heard of these classics, such as The Love Boat, Fantasy Island, Gilligan's Island. Those were amazing shows, and I know a lot of you would probably say amen in this service. But, but anyway, back to the good old days. Uh, you know, to, to see your show, you had to be in front of the TV at the exact time the show came on. How many of you remember that? Uh, again, if there are any millennials here, you, you can't understand that. And uh, just the same way that you can't understand how we used to have to walk to school and back home again barefooted in the snow and it was uphill both ways. Remember that? Uh, you millennials just don't have the ability to understand those complicated things. But, but seriously, it used to be that if a show came on Friday evening at 7 o'clock, you had to be in front of the television Friday evening at 7 o'clock or it would be gone forever. Never to be seen again, not to mention that you have to watch the commercials. But we live in a different world today. It's an on-demand world, on-demand water, on-demand movies. And then Amazon Prime shipping gets it to us in two days or less. In fact, Gabe and Erica, they live in New York City. Some of their Amazon Prime deliveries actually get to them the same day they order it. They, they order it online in the morning and it's there in the afternoon. You know, it used to be that our forefathers got upset if they missed the stagecoach and had to wait a month for the next one. Today, we get upset if we miss the elevator. Or sometimes we even get upset if we have to wait for the next section of the revolving door. We are the on-demand generation. Now, honestly, there's nothing wrong with on-demand technology that makes life easier for us. But what has happened is that this on-demand expectation has carried over to us spiritually especially in our perception of God. And, and we've tried to recreate God into an on-demand God. For example, God, I prayed about this yesterday and you still haven't answered. God, why didn't you do what I wanted when I wanted? Or maybe it goes back some years ago as a teenager, you prayed and begged God to save your parents' marriage, but it didn't happen. Where were you, God? Why didn't you answer my prayers? Or, or maybe you're the person that is always tithed and, and, and generously given of your resources to God and others, but you're still struggling financially and, you, and you're like, what's up with that, God? Or you might be the one that prayed and prayed for someone's healing and they weren't healed. In fact, they died. And you were like, how come, God? Or, or you prayed and prayed that God would take away your depression, but you're still in the darkness, in that dark pit. Or you prayed that God would deliver your son from alcohol or your daughter from drugs, but, but, but they're still so messed up. And then this one gets close to some people here today. You prayed for your marriage to be healed, but it still blew up. And the danger is that if we view God as an on-demand God and, and, he, and he happens to not answer our prayers like, like we think he should, then many times that will throw us into a crisis of faith. And, and we will begin to think that God is not real or, or we'll be, begin to think that God is not powerful or he simply just doesn't care. We're going to explore this, and as we begin, I want to make a simple statement that will pretty much summarize our lesson today, and here it is. 
God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. You know, God does not exist just to do whatever we want, whenever we want. And and yes, God is a, a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. And, and, he, and He welcomes us to come to Him with our needs. But, but God's highest calling is not to do what we think He should do. God is not our celestial sugar daddy who exists to give us what we want. God is not a Santa Claus that exists to reward those who haven't been naughty. God is not the divine genie in the sky where you can just rub his belly and get three wishes. You know, God's not the cosmic Coke machine where you pray your prayer, give your tithe, push the button, and out comes your answered prayer. We must understand God is the creator, we're just the created. God's the potter, we're just the clay. God is the king, we're merely his servants. And this sometimes really stings, but we have to recognize that we're not the main characters of the Bible. Jesus is the main character of the Bible. And when we begin to believe in an on-demand God, what happens is it does a terrible injustice to the entire character of God. So let's try to unpack who God really is. And, And for the rest of our time together, I want to talk about three qualities of the heart of God. If God is not an on-demand God, then what kind of God is He? Well, first of all, God's heart is always loving. I know some of you are saying, oh, brother, how basic and boring. Can't you come up with anything better than just talking about the love of God? Well, not really. (laughs) Love is the true essence of God. Even in those times when God doesn't answer our prayers immediately as we wanted to even when god allows things to happen that we would call unfair he still has our best interest at heart and his heart is always loving in fact romans chapter 8 it's a very powerful chapter but but verse 35 says this in the niv it says who shall separate us from the love of christ gets that shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Now let me stop a minute before I I, I finish that passage. Would you allow me to update this scripture? Because chances are pretty good that most of you won't experience what Paul mentioned in the scripture. He talked about persecution. Most of us don't know what persecution is. You know, somebody will make fun of us for going to church or whatever. We think that's persecution. That's not persecution. He talked about famine, and, and in this part of the world up to this point, thank, the, thank God, we don't really understand famine. We see it in pictures, you know, in Africa, different places. He, he talked about the sword because, and again, we've never had, I've never had anybody pull a sword on me because of my Christianity. He talked about nakedness, and hopefully you haven't done that in public places. And really, nakedness, in, in this context, it was in the context of poverty, not being able to put clothes on your back. But anyway, without hurting the the integrity of the Scripture, let me update it a little bit to where we live. What shall separate you from the love of Christ? Shall financial trouble or relational breakdowns or unemployment or cancer or depression or marriage problems, 
or divorce or the sudden tragic loss of a loved one or a country that's gone crazy? Can those things separate us from the love of Christ? And and here's the answer Paul gives us, verse 37, no. In fact, I kind of just think that Paul was a little animated. No! In all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from what? From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that scripture is basically saying God's heart is always loving. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, let me say something that may rattle your cage a little bit, but hang with me because we need to understand this. God... God doesn't prove His love to us when He answers our prayers. Yes, He loves to give good gifts to His children, but God doesn't prove His love to, love to us when He answers our prayers. Rather, God has already proved or proven, whichever you choose to say, He's already proved His love to us when He sent His Son to earth to die on the cross. I mean, let, let me say it again. You're still processing this, and that's okay. God doesn't prove His love to us when He does what we want Him to do. No, God proved His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You understand that? So, thank God He loves to answer prayer, and He does that many times. But if He does or He doesn't, it doesn't mean that He loves us or He doesn't love us. He proved His love. When he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. That was true love. So don't ever forget that God's heart is always loving. Yes, very basic, but that's the essence of his character. The the, the second basic but foundational thought about God. His ways are higher than our ways. And, And let's just talk about this for a moment. Because as a pastor, I'm continually called upon by people in this church. Some of you and people in this community community um, and they want me to give an explanation of why bad things happen to good people for example why does that child have to suffer with a handicap simply because the mother drank or did drugs while the child was still in the womb it, it wasn't the child's fault yet the child has to suffer for it why You want to know my answer? I don't know. I have no explanation whatsoever. Or or why was that wonderful person struck down in the prime of their life by a drunk driver and the drunk driver walked away without a, a scratch, but that innocent person with two small kids died? Why did that happen? I don't know. I don't understand. Or why did someone who worked at a job for 25 years and was a model employee, why were they let go? I don't understand. Or or why was that wonderful Christian that was always so faithful to God, why did they get Alzheimer's and have to basically exist for the last five years of their life not even knowing their own loved ones? I don't know. 
why does that godly young wife who so desperately wants to get pregnant but can't, yet that promiscuous woman, she gets pregnant and chooses to end that pregnancy through an abortion? Where's the fairness of that God? I don't know. You know, there are so many things in life that appear to us as being unfair. And there's really no logical explanation we can give. But in those times when I'm asked why by you and others, instead of trying to explain, I encourage people to embrace. Embrace Isaiah 55, 8. I love this. My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher, are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so I take comfort in recognizing that, that He is God and I'm not. I take comfort in the fact that God is wiser than I am. He's already in tomorrow. Time doesn't hold Him. And I take comfort in the fact that even in the things that I don't necessarily like, He's using to conform me to His image. And, and, and listen, I don't have to understand everything to trust His heart. I don't have to understand everything to trust His character. I, I don't have to understand everything to trust His nature and His goodness because His ways are higher as that song says, he is a good, good father. And then once in a while, not always, but once in a while later on, you can look back on a situation and say, you know what, it still hurts. But I can now see how good things have come from it. And today I, I have a feeling, in fact, I, I know... <laughs> I know some of you are going through some things that you don't understand. And I encourage you that instead of trying to explain, why don't you just embrace, embrace the fact that God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Oh, I've saved the best point to last. And this encourages me so much, Ernie. God's presence is always enough. You know, last Tuesday I was wrestling with this message and, and, and honestly I had no intention of starting a, a sermon series yet. I, I like to be in a sermon series. It kind of keeps me on track and that way I don't always just uh, get on my hobbies, you know, just with singles. And, but I was going to do a few singles leading up to Easter and, and especially this being, you know, spring break week when our attendance is typically lower and uh, but anyway, I began to feel the burden for this series early in the week, and and um, but but Tuesday I was struggling, and I was trying to get everything mapped out where I was going to go, and and I was just crying out to God for help there in my office, and someone texted me out of the clear blue and said, "Can I do anything for you?" And they didn't know I was struggling, and I texted back. I said, "Well, I'm struggling with my lesson." And he texted back, said, "Well." Can I help you do anything? Maybe help you do some research or whatever. And, and I said, right now, more research is not what I need. What I really needed was a sense of God's presence. And, and so he began helping me pray. And, you know, it wasn't immediate, but I think within a couple of hours, God began to answer prayer. And, 
there in my office, his presence began to flood me and and my eyes started leaking a little bit as I experienced once again something that I never get tired of. And But I experienced the amazing presence of God. It just kind of washed over me. And can I make you a promise this morning? If you'll go beyond what I call complacent or shallow Christianity, and unfortunately, that's where many of us are. That's, that's the limit of our Christianity. We, you know, we pray a little and we read our, our little passage of Scripture, our little devotional for the day, and we come to church and, and we think we are committed Christians. But I'm talking about going beyond shallow Christianity and truly knowing God, as the Apostle Paul said in, in my life verse, which is Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And and so if if we will experience Christ in the power of his resurrection, then we will begin to understand that regardless of what we go through, his presence will be enough. And that right there was the posture of, of King David in the Old Testament. And and sometimes we think, you know, David was, was king and he had everything going for him and everything was wonderful, but, but he went through more more difficulty than most of us put together. And, and you read in Scripture where David cried out continually, said, God, why are you allowing this? Where are you, God? Why are you letting your enemies do this to me? God, you said I'm a man after your own heart, yet you're allowing me to go through this deep and dark valley. But but as David grew to know the faithfulness of God, here's what he said in Psalm 23, one of the greatest scriptures in all of the Bible. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? He said, because God, you are with me. And yes, David was in a place where he knew he could die in an instant. And, and David knew that he was walking through a valley where people were out to get him. They might attack him. But he realized that God's presence was enough. Back some years ago, just opening my heart to you, before Faith and I moved to Missouri, I went through an experience that rocked my world. And because of what happened, I, I began to question so many things. I questioned my calling. I questioned my ministry. I even questioned certain aspects regarding my family. These were some of the darkest days of my entire life. And even though this has been years ago, I, I still remember the raw emotions and the brokenness I experienced. But during those days, I began crying out to God. Because there wasn't a person on earth that I felt I could really share with and open my heart to. And, and I was wrong for not finding a confidant, but I felt like I, I just, it hurt too much. So I just cried out to Him from the depths of everything within me and and it took some time to break free of that darkness. But there came a point when the presence of God became so real to me. And, and, and in a sense, I think you'll understand this terminology, but it, it was in a sense I just kind of crawled over to my Lord and cuddled up to Him. And 
I let him embrace me and, and his presence just begin to wash over me. And, and, and here's what happened. Here's where I want to get at. Something happened that I could have never imagined. I mean, God did something that was a God thing. And, you know, I figured I would be haunted for the rest of my life because of what had happened. But God did the impossible of what I thought was impossible, and He healed me on the inside. And sometimes I believe things go dark, so you have to seek the light. Because sometimes in the valleys, you better experience the presence of God than you do on the mountaintops. Now, here's what I've learned about valleys and mountaintops. I've learned that you understand the power of God on the mountaintops. But you understand the faithfulness of God in the valleys. Let me say that again. I've learned that you understand the power of God on the mountaintops. But you understand the faithfulness of God when you go through the valleys. And I'm convinced that until God is all you have, you'll never even realize that God is all you need. So God, where are you? Why didn't you do what I wanted? Why didn't you answer my prayer, God? Why aren't you the on-demand, God? Well, he's so much better than that. He's way too powerful. He's way too strong. He's way too sovereign just to be a puppet to us. He does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. And so instead of being the on-demand God, you know what? God's heart is always loving. His ways are higher than your ways. And His presence is enough. And this morning I pray that you will be encouraged by these words. He is a caring, He's almighty, but He's caring about every detail in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for Your Word, what You tell us in Your Word about Yourself. Thank You that You're not reduced to being an on-demand God and that you that you have to prove your love by answering all of our prayers even when sometimes they're not good prayers. But Lord, thank you that you already showed your love to us that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. That's love. But Lord, thank you that you love to give good gifts to your children through answered prayer. But Lord, during those times when when you choose not to do it the way we think you should do it, thank you that we can trust your heart. You're doing a work inside of us. You see the big picture. Time does not contain you. You're already in tomorrow and the next day. But Lord, I do pray for those that 
maybe frankly are a little bit discouraged because they've been praying and a little upset at God because he hasn't really answered. Help us to trust his heart. Know that he is always, always loving. Help us to understand that your ways are so much higher than our ways. You see the big picture. You are infinite. We're finite. You are the creator. We are the created. Lord, help us to understand your ways are higher. And then, God, I just pray that we would be able to just snuggle up to you during those times when we hurt, those times when we're sad, those times when we're mad, that we would just snuggle up to you and let your presence just wash over us. Lord, that we would be sustained by your presence. Thank you, God, for being such a caring God. So, Lord, as we go from here, I pray that we would know you're there. That we would experience God. We would experience you in truth. Lord, would you show your presence to us this week? I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Be encouraged by these words and God's word. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.